Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. Well, we have arrived in week two of Advent, a season of preparing for the arrival of one whom I would love to call baby Jesus. See, the hope of the Israelites in the season of waiting was that they would taste the promised land again. They would no longer be a conquered, exiled, and marginalized people. That flourishing would not be a hope of the future, but a soon-to-be reality. And they've been hoping and waiting for a long time. There's a story I've shared before uh, of a spiritual by the name of Bomb Gilead. Uh, This spiritual came out of a question that Jeremiah asked, the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah, as he's seen uh, his people, tragedy strike his people. As he's seeing all of this going around him, he says, is there a bomb in Gilead? And bomb was known to heal, restore, and renew. The antebellum South slaves, my ancestors at the time, would have sung this song in the fields and in the churches. And they had answered the question. And they said the song that there is a bomb in Gilead. Healing is on the way. Freedom is on the way. And along with many other spirituals, to recognize the world is not as it should be. They were in a place of exile, a place where they were brutalized in various ways. See, my ancestors, much like the Israelites, were in a period of waiting preparing of expectation for renewal in life to come. Longing for better days is kind of innate to our human journey, right? I mean, something that might be uh, very close to all of us is that we're coming out of a pandemic where family and friends were lost, Jobs were lost, careers were shifted, political polarization is present, insurrection happens, innocent men, children, and women are murdered. School boards are going wild. We could probably say that we are in a period of waiting for better days. I long for days, as Dante Stewart puts it, a writer and theologian, where we don't live in a country so full of Bibles but so empty of love. And as we talk about this text from 1 John, we will see that one, the author who's actually anonymous, could be related to uh, the other, uh, the writer of the other two books of John, Second John, and Third John, um, loves to talk about love. 
And uh, in this way, when we talk about this book, and, and as I read this text, you'll see it. But what is happening here is that one John is uh, almost this poetic uh, sermon uh, to a community of people uh, who have uh, experienced church splits, uh, who are listening to false teachers, or who are uh, being told they should live in a different way uh, because of what they believe or what the false teachers were to believe. And we're only going to read a couple verses, but in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, says this, this is how God showed his love among us. That he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And it's love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. The undertone one is in us. I don't know if you grabbed that, but in us has been said a lot of times. In us, among us, 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 community, church. The undertone in this passage is that God is love. And that love came and that we are loved and that God is shown in us and by us, by us loving one another. James Baldwin says it like this. He says, there's absolutely no salvation without love. This is the wheel in the middle of the wheel. Condemnation is easier than wonder. And to explain that last part, uh, I think there is uh, within church history, this idea that if we uh, exclude or if uh, we uh, meet maybe the the right standards to be loved by God. Those who have not met these standards cannot be loved by God. Condemnation is easier than wonder. There's absolutely no salvation and not that one-time transaction type of salvation. But here, James Baldwin is referring to renewal and restoration where everything finds its rightful place, where love is ever expanding. As we talked about the season of waiting and understanding what it really means to wait as a people and the stories of those who have waited before us for the moment that renewal and restoration and love would come and be. In verse 9, we see that God has showed his love, that he sent his only son that we might live through him. See, Jesus was born amidst a time that was not a time of flourishing. Mary and Joseph had to flee, and they find themselves in some sort of uh, shelter and give birth to Jesus, a vulnerable person amongst a group of the most vulnerable people, which were those of lowly status. And the very fact that God chose to be one of us and to be as vulnerable as a baby and to be born to parents who were lowly in social status and were some of the most vulnerable in society shows us that love is not coming guns ablazing, but love is 
not coming in this retributive way, but it's coming in a lowly, humble, and in the end, a restorative way. That the wait for God's chosen people was over. The king has been born, and that is very good news. God chose to be among us and one of us. See, the good news of Christianity is not a one-time transaction, but the ever-expanding love of God. In Jesus, we once again see where heaven and earth meet. He would later call in his ministry himself the temple of God, the very presence of God in Jesus. You see, uh, this, this temple language where a space where renewal and healing and unity would thrive, this temple language is a language that the writer of 1 John and the writers of 2nd and 3rd John would have agreed with. That God's presence is amongst God's people and in God's people. And that the church was supposed to be at the coming of baby Jesus, the king, baby king Jesus. This idea of the renewal that was coming would change everything. And and John, in this, this book, he is saying this love. This love that has come should change everything for you. And this love that has come is really going to be the space in Jesus where heaven and earth meet and renewal happens. And not only that, but that we would begin to see the kingdom be present. That we would cultivate the fragments of God's space and human space meeting, the fragments of heaven that we see in each other in the communities around us. This was the new creation. Jesus was what we, our ancestors, and those who have gone before us have been waiting for. And heaven is not as we see in Jesus. This faraway land that one day in the future we will inhabit. Instead, the word heaven represents the nearness and very presence of God all around us, in us, in the here and now. Now, with that thinking, we understand that heaven, it, it, it doesn't always look like heaven. Uh, it's hard some days. Relationships are hard. Uh, deaths in the family are hard. COVID is hard. All these things are hard. And what Jesus would teach in his ministry is that I get heaven sometimes is hard to see around us. Maybe it's not in its fullness, but it can be and it should be. And one day it will be. You see, we are formed not only by the hope and sight of the pieces of heaven coming down. We are formed by the sight and the presence of heaven all around and also the beauty of heaven that is in us. The writer of John believes love that was shown by God 
becoming human and standing for the marginalized people of the world and always creating space for others, which is what ultimately got him killed. And the sacrificial love is the love that changes hearts of all people. That sacrifice. Bell Hooks uh, in her book, Salvation, Black People in Love, says this, love is profoundly political and our deepest revolution will come when we understand this truth. What she means is that love tends to get us moving. That love tends to uh, kind of uh, enlighten us. That love and loving one another we will begin to see the systems and structures that uh, kind of enable those who maybe have lowly social status to continue to stay in these spaces and be oppressed. That uh, inequitable systems, we would finally see the inequity in them. That we would see injustices and we would move. Love is profoundly political. It changes everything. And God showed us, as John said, ascending Jesus. Love came not in a retributive way, but in a restorative way. And lastly, as John talks about, or the writer of one John, I'm just going to say it's John, who, who, I don't know, you know, it's fine. I'm just, in the book of one John, uh, in verse 11 through 12, it says, dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. In us, in us, in us, in us, in us. You see the in us, community, connection, communion. We are at our most human when we know in our deepest being that we are loved. God so loved us. We are loved. Faith at its essential core, as Richard Rohr puts it, is accepting that you are already accepted. And as we are in this season of preparing, of waiting, of anticipating the coming of Jesus, our world is in not just our world, but at the same, the, the Israelites' world at that point was in much um, dissonance. That there was supposed to be a messianic hope, that there was supposed to be flourishing, and none of this is happening. And Jesus was the resolution that came in. And that we see that we are loved by God coming in the form of a baby, of human, of us. And that we would not skip to uh, so much that love came and then go to love does, but that we would see that uh, the, the middle part there and the most important part I would say is that love came and that we are loved and then love does. Because if we don't really truly accept that we are accepted in all of who we are, the good parts, the bad parts, the whatever parts, no matter what, all of who you are is accepted, then from that place we can healthily serve. 
we can love others. And in that space, God is shown heaven, a fragment of heaven is shown. From this place is where the gift of loving our neighbor, loving our community, loving those who are oppressed by an equitable system of structures, all of those who had bad breaks, we can finally love. And in that space, as a church, we can be a space where fragments of heaven come and make a beautiful mosaic. Henry Nowen says this, there to love and to be a real friend. And the love you give and receive is a reality that will lead you closer and closer to God, as well as those whom God has given you to love. As we see that love came, and that love is within us, and that as a church, as we come together, community, we are fragments of heaven that make the beautiful mosaic of the new temple of God. That in this season of waiting, as we practice and learn what that means, whatever we're waiting for, whether it be relationship, whether it be new job, whether it be new house, whether it be new car, whether it be whatever it might be, whatever you're waiting for, we will contemplate the truth that God and all of who God is came to be with us and that the presence of love is within us and that we are loved, and that we will be a place where God resides. Gather my prayer for you this morning. Maybe you write this down. Maybe you uh, think about this throughout your week. But it's this, that may your home, may your relationships, may you yourself be a place where self-love and love for others is cultivated, where love is evident, and where love never ceases to expand. You are loved, you are loved, you are loved. And in the season of Advent, from that place, we can love others. And in that way, we see heaven meet earth. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.